Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for August 22nd, 2021, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost in year B. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you this week? I am washing my masks. Uh, I hope that's <laughs> not unique to this week. Otherwise, no, but... I haven't had to wear as wear as many as often as I do now that we have the good old variant challenging us. Good old variant, yes. When I shall not speak its name. No, once we start getting to the Latin named uh, variants, uh, it's it's not great. Uh, But uh, but yeah, uh, um, yeah. There for a while, I thought we might be able to retire those stupid, crusty things, but uh, but but alas, no. They they are cycling in our our household as well. With a yeah, I mean, I'm just using more per week again than I right yep. than I had been. So there were some places I could uh, be without a mask. Mm-hmm. No more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for now. For now. For now. Luckily, it's not August and super hot outside. So right. I do it. <laughs> I do wish I could find my San Francisco Giants mask though. It, it, it's somewhere and they're still in first place so i can still wear it <laughs> well your your yeah your your team does not uh does not scrape the bottom of the barrel uh this year so uh you can yeah you you can fly your colors loud and proud yeah yeah um not all of us can <laughs> uh goodness but uh uh i, I we're, we're not here for baseball of course uh we're here for church so uh right uh tail end of august uh we're, we're coming up remind us when is our when is our uh kickoff sunday our back to fall program uh sunday september september 12th i believe 12th okay okay so that's that's pretty much right around the corner all the yeah. kids will be back in school so the uh, at that point i think probably this this week is probably the the last week for for some of the uh, some of the students uh, um, in the in, in the area, in the grade uh, schools, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, and then the we'll lose some of our college students in the week or two after that because all of them are back the first yeah. week of September. All all of the ones that are in the parish, yeah. Um, I've been asking around, so it ah, they'll be off. We we will lose them taking wing for for plenty of them. They will be. Uh, uh, finally shedding that millstone <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have loaded them down with so much yes. episcopal gear and swag <laughs> they'll have I, a tough time deciding I, I, I what know, to wear <laughs> i know how it is i know how it is for some students uh it, it, it's a it's a terrifying time and they're not entirely sure how they're going to deal with it and others are counting down the literal seconds before they get to get out the door and on their own so uh to to the to the vast array of of uh, young folks out there who are, are going through that we understand both sides of that coin and and, yeah. and and all in between so uh so we're we're real excited for you and uh um some of you need the encouragement that you can do it and then others are like yeah i know <laughs> my biggest piece of advice that is not the most important important but it's one i did not hear and i wish i had was pay attention to who are the really good teachers and take as many courses as you can from them almost regardless of what the topic is Hmm. Hmm. that is some good advice i would i wish i would have thought of that or heard that uh yeah it took me a a, year and a half of college before i caught on to that and and it served me very well in college and grad school yeah um you're you're not wrong that that is uh thinking back that's that that would have been a a fun way to go uh they're they're not not all teachers not all professors are uh uh, equal um uh and 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 not all professors are are uh uh, equal for every student Uh, right yeah it's who you click with and Mm -hmm. who helps you really grow and learn how to think yeah as the old saying goes not just the facts but how do you think yeah, exactly. So that's a that that is some very very good advice, and and definitely, uh, um, uh, pick some things 
that interest you like that that are that are outside what you think you want to do uh be sure that that's certainly the time to 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 dabble a little mm-hmm. in in topics uh that you're not entirely sure about so that's a that's a lot of fun and you know what marks us as two old men at this moment what there's, what is that there's absolutely no one listening that... to whom this advice applies i bet <laughs> Our audience is filled, <laughs> filled with young people. I don't know what you're talking about. Every week I get a comment from, okay, no, never mind. All right. Fair Dude, enough. you rock is not from a teenager. <laughs> no, that's from, from me in the mirror. Um, <laughs> all right. Fine, fine, fine. Point well taken. So we will move on. Move uh, along. Let's uh let's move to uh the part of the program where I get to stump the pastor. That's uh, right. With Take a person your revenge on in me. history. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm such a vengeful man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh uh as per tradition, your time frame, your 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 time frame of life here for this individual, 1733 to 1801. Uh I I, I could have just picked this person by his his uh, name alone. Devereux Gerat. I'm gonna. I, I I zhuzhed up. I may have zhuzhed up his <laughs> last name. I don't know if that's how to pronounce it, but it's J A R R A T T. Gerat. Gerat. Oh oh oh. Was he a bishop? Oh wait 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 wait. wait. Uh uh. Would have been on the path. Was he a bishop? Uh ah. Uh, <laughs> ha! I stumped you. Hold. hold, <laughs> hold. Hold, please. I don't. I don't think he was. I don't think he. he I'm he, sure he, would have mentioned it. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a decently long. Uh, um, it, it's <laughs> this this definition has some girth to it. So, uh, but I don't see the word bishop in here. Okay, then I surrender. Uh, but it could have been. Would it would have been on that path <clears throat> because he was a uh, uh, part of the priesthood. Uh, uh-huh. Leading American Angelic uh, uh, Angelic <laughs> Anglican Anglican priest during the Great Awakening. So I'm going to take a pause right there. The Great Awakening. What are what is what's the Great Awakening? That was a, a religious revival okay. um, in North America <laughs> that saw it, maybe many scholars have said this that was in a sense the the first truly American religious expression and helped form the religious character of the U S for that era mm. where there's a, um, a lot of emphasis on preaching and singing hymns that were lively, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. preaching that was interesting and people being more intentional about their spiritual lives in following Christ. Mm. And it, it cut across all denominations, all Christian traditions. Well, speaking of cutting across, uh, uh, one of the other reasons why I was kind of drawn to him. So he's born in Virginia, first influenced by the Presbyterians, became a rigid Calvinist. Yikes. Uh, later entered the Church of England and ordained a deacon uh, and then pr- uh, entered into priesthood, uh, returned to Virginia, became rector of bath parish in dinwiddie county (laughs) just to get just for anybody out there who uh spent time in virginia and may know where that is um and he stayed there the rest of his life he was influenced by the great awakening and the preaching of george whitfield whitefield and john Uh wesley uh his preaching he stressed the need for personal conversion and new birth Mm-hmm. Um, uh, formed religious societies in his parish and in neighboring areas, including uh, North Carolina. And he was a close friend with the Methodist uh, Francis Asbury, 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 uh, and, and preached at his funeral. <clears throat> Deeply hurt when the Methodist Methodists separated from the Church of England uh, and the colonies in 1784, uh, and formed their own independent church. Uh, he wrote a brief narrative on of the revival of religion in virginia that was the title of his uh, yeah book. it was revived because the revival was the great awakening mm. it wasn't called okay. that back then <clears throat> yeah yeah I, I suppose that makes sense we we tend to give titles after the fact um, right uh he also wrote a, a, a letter 
Letter to a Friend, uh, which he sent to John Wesley and was published in London. His biography, The Life of the Reverend Devereux Girat. I'm going to keep going with that because it sounds so cool. It uh, does. In uh, a series of letters addressed to the Reverend John Coleman in 1806. Uh, uh, that had a whole bunch of information about the church and the Great Awakening in Virginia, so kind of like shared that with uh, uh, friends across the pond and uh, uh, ended up dying there in 1801. So, uh, but I, I, I liked kind of that he has this, his story has this flow across different denominations mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and doesn't seem to at least the the definition uh for him the 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 little biography here uh doesn't seem to indicate that it was like oh started here ended up here and then became like devoutly uh you know in 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 in, uh entrenched in uh this one aspect of religion it it kind of it kind of seems to indicate that because he uh, uh, had that uh, winding road uh, uh, to his life, that uh, that kind of became part of who he was, uh, and uh, yeah, and that way spanned... it's, it's almost a archetype of the of a of an American spiritual journey. Yeah, where so many Americans will go through various faith traditions now, not just Christianity, as back in the colonial times and in revolutionary times. And, you know, eventually they'll be somewhere, but usually the the outward journey only ends by death. You know, if they live 10 years mm-hmm. longer, they would have tried another denomination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that uh, that, that is is still not lost on us. It is, it's right. not lost on us at this point. We uh, um, go from, from non-denominational to Baptist to Methodist and, the, you know, kind of find it, 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 that that kind of speaks it, to me at least that speaks to the fact that there's clearly a little bit of something for everyone in all of the uh, all the different denominations uh there's there there are aspects that you can connect with uh depending on who you are and where you are in your in your life at that moment uh, so it's kind of a kind of an interesting thing to to be reminded of especially through a uh, an individual from the past because mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah and it was it was during that era that the methodist tradition split off from the anglican tradition and mm-hmm. became its own thing and that's in church time still relatively recent so that's why there's so oh, yeah. many overlaps between the um, United Methodist Church and the Episcopal Church in the United States. Yeah, that's a, that's another good point. Is it, uh, sometimes in our mind we think, "Oh my gosh, it's ancient history," and then right. the Roman Catholic Church goes, <laughs> "Right, <laughs> you want ancient? We have ancient. <laughs> you're, you're ridiculous." <laughs> well, and then the Eastern Orthodox Church is just <laughs> right, right. Who the Roman Catholics? Mm-hmm. Think, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you didn't you just start up yesterday come on <laughs> um so so that anyway Devereux, uh it's probably Jarrett. uh uh um i think i think it is but i like the way you say it better Devereux, i mean with the name Devereux, you kind of have to go yeah. almost with a french pronunciation so Devereux Girat. <laughs> monsieur Girat. um uh let's... okay i'm not going to do it but <laughs> That would be an awesome computer password. That would be hard for people to guess. Ooh, that is that's a good uh, that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Um, so, f- anyone else out there, feel free to use it. I'll yeah. forget it. So, <clears throat> yeah, feel <laughs> everyone who listens, feel free to use that as your password so that you can immediately forget how to spell Devereaux. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Is it? Are there two E's or three or? <laughs> Dang it! I can't get into my own computer anymore. Um, <laughs> I thought it was Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Have to throw this one away. Start over. Um, well, let's let's move on to yes. our readings for this week. Uh, Joshua is our first reading. Joshua twenty four uh, one to two a. And then 14 through 18. I, I'm gl- glad I kept reading because, like, is it seriously only two verses long? No, it, it's not. 
must be saving up for a heck of a long gospel reading. Um, then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor lived in beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Um, tell me about the book of Joshua here. Okay. It's, it comes after the book of Deuteronomy. <clears throat> and it essentially completes the history of Israel um, of that settlement period okay. in the promised land. <clears throat> okay. So it's Joshua. It, it's this book that actually re talks about the Israelites getting to enter the promised land because of the Moses dies just before they get to go in. He can see it. It's across the river, but he doesn't get to enter for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And then Joshua picks up and they get to enter the promised land and start their settling. Okay. And um, a lot of scholars believe that it was written down about the time that they were having to leave again because of the Babylonians taking huh. them into captivity so they were they were uh was that like the scholars believe that that was imminent and this was like an attempt yeah. to capture uh uh that part of their history officially mm -hmm. before they were displaced that, well not so much that part of the history but this approach to theology oh okay okay that the actual historical events were not the primary concern it was instead what the, what had they learned about god that better not be lost as they have to leave jerusalem and israel hmm what what needs to be preserved as they go into the foreign lands hmm. um so so what's going on here in this and like why is uh why are everybody being gathered together and basically asked the slitmus test for the reason I just said. Oh, okay. <laughs> Though that's not so much, I mean, in terms of the narrative, mm -hmm. no. It's not because, oh, by the way, this many hundreds of years from now, we're going to be taken into captivity. But it isn't, but they're re the, the author of Joshua wants to reinforce how even when there are lots of foreign gods around you, do not worship them, mm. which would turn out to be a problem when the um, Israelites were in captivity in Babylonia, right. as we hear from Jeremiah and Isaiah. Mm. Um, so it it was part of that theological preparation for the spiritual challenges they were going to face. Hmm um and, and what uh why shechem they were they were they gathered all the tribes together uh and shechem what was in shechem that because that's where in the book of genesis jacob first renounced all foreign gods under god's direction to do so was the like the seat of the government there jacob. was the was the temple there no they it was they were they're doing the fairly nomadic lifestyle mm. 
and he gathered his whole household, which was basically his, <clears throat> excuse me, his hugely extended family. So it could have easily been a couple hundred people. Okay. And they did a whole ceremonial thing of tossing out all their, what we now call household gods mm-hmm. and icon or false idols and other liturgical equipment for other religions and saying, we are going to follow the one true God. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then the, the, uh, he summoned the elders, the judges, the officers of Israel, the heads. What are the, what are the heads Are the, the heads of household? What are, Let's what's, what's the difference? Like, uh, I get the others, obviously. Um, I just don't know who the talking heads are. Yeah. I'm looking at the Hebrew. Um, Well, this is the only place that term appears. So the honest answer is we aren't sure mm. um, because we, we don't have any other Hebrew occurrences, but it is it is part of the leadership circle. Yeah. OK. OK. All right. Interesting um, that that's the only place that that occurs, though. That doesn't happen too it, terribly that's, often. That's far from unique because by the time... Because by the time the temple fell to the Romans, so the time of G- shortly after Jesus' <clears throat> resurrection, mm-hmm. Hebrew was a dead language. It was yeah. used only in the temple. And everyday Jews spoke mostly Aramaic. Some would have spoke, spoken Greek as their everyday language. A few uh, Latin, because that was the Roman language. So they're not all sorts of other documents written in Hebrew like there are with Greek hmm. where you know we literally have letters among family members written in Greek and shopping lists and all sorts of things hmm. and so when we're translating the New Testament we can often find dozens of occurrences of any word in the secular literature whereas with the Hebrew scriptures with very few exceptions the only place that any the only place we find any of the words is within the Hebrew scriptures themselves. So unless it gets reused in other places, it can be hard to figure out by context what it means. Hmm. Um, and then what else What else here uh, occurs between verse 2 and 14? What are we cutting out? It, it's a resuscitation. <clears throat> no, that's not the right word. I, I'll use the easier word. It's the repeating of... Mm-hmm the history of the Israelites with the one true God. Uh, okay. Uh, is it like uh, one of those uh, long begat like uh, uh, It's more lists? interesting than that, but yeah. <laughs> Abraham, there's a, who? There's a list of all the son? people that yeah. they pushed off the land, which isn't so great. <laughs> <I> was, um, <laughs> but, but I'm sure it's presented in a, in, in a glorified way right, right. right here. Um. But yeah, there there are all sorts of different events and stuff mentioned that um, really, you know, anyone who's has any sense of the history of the Israelites already knows. So it's, you know, this is what I gave to Isaac. You know, God saying, this is what I gave to Abraham. This is what I gave to Isaac. This is mm. what I gave to, you know, here are the plagues in Egypt. Here are the, here, here's what Moses got to do. So, so yeah, it's and so that, that that makes it kind of interesting because, as you kind of pointed out, narratively you've got kind of one thing going on, right? It's like tr- driving home a point from uh, um, the author's pr- uh, point of view mm-hmm. and trying to remind the people, and especially with the context of like trying to get this written down. Um, this passage takes on kind of a, 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 a more of a thirty thousand foot view, right? Meeting, but. Um, and it, and I've left out the most important thing, really. It's the last part of the book of Joshua. Oh, this is the end. This is the end. This is okay. the, these are the concluding thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. it's been leading the whole book's been leading up to this <clears throat> renewal of the covenant with God. I gotcha. So yeah, from an author's perspective, it's like uh, 
here's this laundry list of things that have happened in in history and how God has been looking out for you and and uh, so are you gonna praise him or you're like are you gonna are you gonna continue to follow God are you gonna like it, it's presented in such a way where the answer seems pretty obvious like how, how could you hear the long history of, of right of god protecting you and then being like uh oh as for me and my household we will serve the lord uh and you're kind of almost left with like that well yeah were we not i'm sorry were we not where it was was, <laughs> was someone well else... again it's a future orientation <laughs> right 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 which That's is going to be very challenging which is kind of interesting uh, uh to, to, so i'm glad you pointed that out because yeah when you read this uh you kind of almost go like this is kind of a no-brainer right they're really this is like a softball uh you know yeah, it was really... a teed up question yeah, exactly. <laughs> Easy to answer. exactly like and some jerk in the corner's like nope not for me <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> like whoever has the best sacrifices will be there <laughs> ow <laughs> <laughs> shut up tom um <laughs> you're gonna ruin it for all of us <laughs> Joshua heard you, dude. Now we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that makes a lot more sense uh, uh, as to uh, uh, why it would be why it, almost in a way why it almost would be even written down. Although I guess a, a gathering of this many people would be kind of a noteworthy event, so um, it would be documented anyways. And it just kind of does go to show that uh, um, sometimes things are written down to protect the the, the historical narrative. Sometimes things are written down to uh, uh, to, to be more of a, a an explanation, a, a generalized explanation as to, as to where you came from. Uh, I'm just thinking the earliest book of, books of the Bible, uh, kind of half history, but also a little bit more um, story history oriented. You know what I mean? Well, well, and. But again, I'll go back to what I said before. This really is supposed to be. This really is teaching theology rather than right. history. Right, right, right. And it's it's easier to remember when there's this wonderful, dramatic scene in Shechem that draws you back hundreds of years before that to Jacob, that will help you remember it when you are enslaved in Babylonia, mm -hmm. and you realize your life would be a lot better if you start to light some incense to your owner's household gods mm, mm -hmm. and then you, you can say, oh yeah back then grandma and grandpa you know, promised we'd all be serving the one true god i guess i want to honor their memory by doing the same even though my life's right now not going to be as good right 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 yeah i think i think we uh, and i fall into the same trap uh, periodically as well I have a tendency to think of old testament writings as like oh this is either a written down oral tradition or B uh, historical texts. And it's not right. really, that, that doesn't really run the gambit uh, of, of the different types right. of there's so many, Yeah. There's so many other points on the line as to what this actually is in yeah. terms of genre. Yep. Uh, anything else before we move on to Ephesians? It's a good one. Read the whole book. <laughs> My usual refrain. You're never going to not hear him say that. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll even make it easier. Just read all of chapter 24 okay. of the book of Joshua. Okay. And think about this is what the spiritual leaders were trying to pack together very tightly for people who are about to be enslaved. Mm. I mean, to me, that's just mind boggling. Yeah, that does that does change the tone a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. These were not people, even though there's a lot of, oh, this was glorious, glorious, glorious. That's more to give them hope to get through the terrible decades they're facing yeah. rather than saying that's what our current life is like. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will have to go back and do that. Um, in the meantime, though, let's move on to Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood, or blood and flesh, uh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day 
and having done everything to, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. Um, so here we find a famous uh, um, um, series of writings uh, that, that, that are, is the Armor of God uh, writing. Um, and we have, uh, we have different, um, we've kind of, I, in, in a way I kind of feel as though we've been led up to this, uh, this point, uh, even though I think you had mentioned it was it, Ephesians like was one of the last, uh, uh, one of the later writings, correct? Because this was, it was after Paul's yeah, death. And it's a collection of different pieces, different pieces of paul's writings with a lot of um additions mm -hmm. by the by the overall author of the this letter who was not paul right and and i believe that we at some point in time i feel like there has been kind of almost hints of some of these same kind of things the the armor right. armor of god at times uh but this really is like that uh uh uh, this is a written down version of that classic, uh, um, m you know, fighting montage where the warriors <laughs> getting dressed, yes. you know, um, you know, the belt buckles around the waist and it's like a fast cut <laughs> zoom in close up of it. And, uh, yeah, um, um, you know, just think any, any pre-battle scene from like Lord of the Rings or. Uh, I don't know any of those shoot 'em up movies where they <laughs> they're just like locking guns and putting them in their in their right. in a bandolier or you know they just uh, uh, so it's, in, in a way that that imagery is kind of fun because we still to this day um, have the, have have kind of a fascination of this kind of suiting up and and that's yeah. very much what this does at least for me of. Uh, of you know what do, what do you have here you've got belt breastplate shoes although the the, <laughs> the, the definition for shoes is kind of like a you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> you know here's the breastplate here's the sword here's the shield you know and whatever you know whatever shoes you see fit uh that will help you proclaim the gospel yeah. <laughs> it's not like a set definition these other things are very they feel very like set like no 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 well and What's interesting to me is the qualifier on that is whatever will make you rage proclaim the gospel of peace. Right. right. <laughs> By the way, like, th then take your then take your shield and your helmet yeah. and your sword. <laughs> and then put on your Birkenstocks. Right. Put on your Birkenstocks and then smash that devil in the face. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Through peace. Uh, <laughs> um uh, 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 what what it is? What is it? What do you think it is about uh, this? I mean, this this is definitely one of those that stand those sections that stand out. Uh, I think Christianity still is very fascinated with this this section. Well, and it's not just Christianity. Um, it appears two other times in in the letters collection. But it occurs five times in the Hebrew scriptures. Hmm. Really? Okay. Yeah. The, I don't uh, recall that. It's one of these things where armor was something that people commonly saw in their lives, depending on where they lived. It wouldn't be an everyday event, but right. if they were in an urban setting, probably was. And the the armor itself, of course, was heavily symbolic to the to the um kings and emperors that had control over the, those armored troops hmm. 
So to switch the meaning of armor was part of that undermining the establishment theology of early Christianity. Hmm. That it was not about getting political power. It was not about the Messiah being the liberator from the Romans. It's instead about the gospel of peace. And yeah, and what's interesting is a lot of times, like with a stained glass window or something, um, people are more likely to have the shiny pieces with flames coming off them and stuff, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. rather than the, the Birkenstock feet, whatever that would be, <laughs> proclaiming peace. I mean, I, th I think it is the that teaching technique of using an image that people are going to gravitate to fairly naturally mm -hmm. and then turn around the meeting 180 degrees. I mean, is, isn't there a bit of a concern that this is kind of more a, a radicalization uh, a move? Like, uh, doesn't this make uh, religious warriors, uh, if, yeah. you, if you take it literally? And, and, that's, and that certainly has happened through the centuries, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the reasons why the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians is in such ill repute. <laughs> so many things like, why'd you put it that way? Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, it's just leaving, leaving the door open for misuse right, of the right. verses. And it's happened over and over with lots of different sections, including this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that people justify violence and um, warrior crusades mm -hmm. in the centuries. And yeah, it's gotten Christianity into a lot of trouble because people don't see it as a message of peace. Yeah, I think I, I think the other thing that it informs, especially in modern day uh, Christianity, is the, the the concept of spiritual warfare. It really plays right. into uh, that idea as well. Um, um, which you know, to be fair, is 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 a fascinating way to think of uh, about things. Uh, I I have to admit, I, I don't hold to that prescription myself too much um uh, this idea that there's this spiritual warfare going on in our in in daily lives and and it it's kind of it's kind of a weird way to to to, to frame things at least for me but there there are a lot of people who really take to that uh that idea yeah and and they worry me usually <laughs> <laughs> yeah because uh, i mean it, it's it, i mean to be fair yeah because one could understand it might be a very short trip from uh uh devils and angels fighting uh this fight and eh, maybe i should get involved yeah <laughs> um there i had a fascinating experience many many years ago when i was chaplain for a summer camp um and it was an episcopal summer camp they drew counselors, senior counselors, literally from all over the world. That was one of the things they sought to do. And I remember we had a, a about 24, 25 year old woman as a um, senior counselor that summer. And some of the kids were talking about um, fighting evil mm -hmm. and hating evil and Things like that. I, I can't say honestly that they talked about spiritual war, warfare. Mm -hmm. But this staff person was from Bosnia. Oh. And had survived the war there. And she very gently, but in a way that was so powerful, talked about even using fighting language keeps your heart from loving fully. Huh. Huh. and that it's she said it, it's often a defense we use to keep us from being vulnerable to love to god's love uh, because as soon as you start to to hate your enemy then you're making them not a person and therefore you can kill them yeah yeah 
And she said she saw way too much of that. Mm. You know, people had been living next door to each other for generations, suddenly killing each other. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, 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 awful. Yeah, so so I'm I'm always very leery about using war imagery around healthy spirituality. Yeah, and and I I think I would even point out though, um, um, while this has been taken that way. Uh, if you look carefully at the language, um, with the exception of the sword, uh, which doesn't contain, uh, do doesn't exactly contain any uh, action language around the sword, everything yeah. else is kind of uh, uh, presented in a defensive manner. Right. Uh, it's just so, protection. Yeah. The whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, uh, having done everything to stand firm, uh, uh, the, uh, the shield of faith, uh, as it quenches, uh, all the flaming arrows of the evil one, all of this is, yeah, very much protection. Uh, yeah. so while it does still does mention that you get a sword, um, but it, even that is simply scripture, right? Right. 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 So it, it, if that even, cause it, this is a late enough, um letter uh writing that it may be beyond the era where the word of god was another title for jesus that's a fair point that's a, that, that's a yeah. that's a fair point so yeah it, yeah and so it's it's not an offensive weapon at all hmm. So yeah, so all of this is is kind of uh, uh, presented in light. Uh, uh, it immediately hits our brains as though this is like offensive warfare, and this yeah. is like, hey, protect yourself. This is yeah. This is more of the, the the I forget the, the the terminology of it, but the for the uh, uh, oh they showed it in, in the movie Three Hundred, where like the, the the all the warriors put their shields together to completely oh. protect the group uh phalanx yeah, or build a hut yeah i forget what i forget what it's called but like that that's kind of the more the imagery that is being shown here is right it's all protection for you so it's kind of kind of interesting to 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 parse uh that out a little mm -hmm. yeah it's not about getting to be the winner it's about just not dying uh actually yeah. technically about not being destroyed because mm -hmm. one of the things that repeatedly comes out in the new testament is yeah dying's going to happen right yeah, but yeah it's okay yeah this is more uh don't fall into evil habits is yeah is what it's uh, uh showing so and that connects with the joshua passage admittedly unintentionally um by the way the lectionary is built but mm -hmm. into that joshua passage about when you're faced with all these other ways of being of living of worshiping you know, be strong in yourself so that you continue to worship the one true God. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, this is how much God's going to be with you in that effort. I will also point out, uh, it's a little weird. Uh, I, I know that, that, that Ephesians is written expressly written, uh, stating that Paul wrote it, uh, which as you've said many times, is kind of like a right actual writing style, a legitimate writing style. Yeah. A respected it, writing style. It yeah. is a little weird that we know that he died when this was written. We know that it says I Paul at the beginning part of the book and the, here at the end part of the book, it's, it says pray for me. Um, which is kind of in, an interesting thing when you realize like, Oh, this is a book done on be in in the the name of another name and kind of language of another person who's already dead and asking for prayers yeah <laughs> but but it's an example for us all yeah well and that's, also that's the prayer every one of us should yeah. be requesting uh and also i think uh uh even at that point in time uh the the sense probably was that the words of Paul, they're trying to get, keep the words of Paul living, living on. Yeah. That's kind of one of the points of the book uh, or the letter of being actually written. So when they're asking uh, for prayers that uh, uh, when I speak, a message may be given uh, to me to make known with boldness, the mystery of the gospel. So essentially asking for the, the perpetuation of the words to find meaning to future generations, kind of a, 
kind of a thing. Uh, although I do really like this phrase. I am an ambassador in chains. Uh, that mm-hmm. actually does sound pretty Paul-like, I have to admit. Um, being bound to declare this message, he, he kind of often indicated that it was, uh, in a way, not even a choice for him, how, how it had been laid out well, after but a while. You're, that's a completely valid interpretation, but... It's also can be taken that we're supposed to have a sense that Paul was writing this from prison. Oh, okay. You're allowed to tell me that I'm wrong. You know that, right? No, no. You're <laughs> what you because the basically the whole letter has layers of metaphor in it. Mm, okay. That it's yeah, yeah. It's so far from literal that ambassador in chains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a title any christian can claim because we all are so limited by our own abilities our own temptations our own brokenness that that chain us from being full ambassadors for christ hmm. Hmm. so yeah i think you're right on but there's also you can have the imagery of Paul being literally chained and asking for the grace to still proclaim the gospel. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because Ephesians was not written so close to Paul's death that they were necessarily trying to really make it seem like he wrote it. Did did they? It was more it's it really was that more homage style writing. Wasn't it years and years after? Like I think so. But like ten or something like that? Five or ten? Yeah, I think I'm just double checking. Um, yeah, it was probably a decade or so after he had okay. actually died. Okay. So um, it wasn't it wasn't literally trying to be like I'm for real. It's me, Paul. Well, yeah, and yeah, it's not trying to say. Okay, I'm going to be rude here. It's not supposed to sound like a, a flimflam televangelist. If gotcha. you don't pray hard enough for me, I'm going to be stuck in chains. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> just send your 995 to yeah. me at this address so and i can like, pay oh, my bond <laughs> you guys didn't do it he got executed it's on you <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> can you imagine though uh if it had and still made it into our bible um awful yeah so no. <laughs> all right well let's move on uh definitely <laughs> John is our gospel reading uh, again. Uh, we continue in John uh, chapter six, verse fifty. And still in chapter six. Still in chapter six. Yeah, this chapter is super long. Uh, Fifty-six through sixty-nine. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. You should recognize that. That was the tail end of last week's. Uh, Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But, Je- but Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew that the first who were the ones that didn't... Wait a minute, let me try that again. For Jesus knew (laughs) from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, for this reason, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Um. So, yeah, these first three verses, if I'm not mistaken, are the tail end of the last week's reading. 
so good on the uh, the, the the lectionaries uh, 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 preparers for doing this kind of like previously on right. gospel readings in America um, uh, uh, and kind of like uh, giving us that quick recap. Um, and uh, his disciples said, I think what we said last week, which is this teaching is difficult. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially when you phrase it like whoever, whoever eats me <laughs> will live. That's a, that's, I would say that's a tough pill to swallow, but I just don't want to even bring up that imagery, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your protein pill. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, this is, is it just me or is this kind of a, this reads as kind of a snarky response from Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Does this offend you? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it is kind of snarky. Uh, um. But what does it? I, I'm, what does that mean? Then, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Okay, he's referring to what if I you were to see me ascend back to heaven, right? Um, uh, but like in John, especially the disciples don't really they they still don't really get that, don't don't they? Isn't that one of their they're the, the things that kind of like passes over their head like oh yeah yeah son of man they're like sent here from god not necessarily understanding that um he's like one and one and the same of course i guess all of that gets debated for like the next thousand two thousand years so <laughs> yeah i mean it it's it's the it's another one of these moments of of misunderstanding mm-hmm on the part of the apostles and by this point it's pretty much by john's description it's pretty much in terms of men just down to the 12. gotcha that that's how many people have scattered gotcha so he really did he uh, uh he, he really did uh <laughs> this was difficult <laughs> people yeah. were like i'm out sorry man <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, it's interesting. John, John's gospel, from you know, and this is only chapter six. From this point on, there are not crowds attracted to Jesus mm. um, until Holy Week, when most when the crowd that's attracted is against him. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a. One way to think of it is that the Gospel of John is written for Christians under persecution. Okay. Whereas the first three Gospels are in most ways pre-persecution Gospels. Okay, yeah. And so it's easy for the listeners, the readers, to believe that thousands were following Jesus and continue to follow him right till he was crucified. Whereas in John, it's like, yeah, I don't think that's possible. Look what our life is like now. Yeah. Okay. So, so John's he writes in such a way that the the gospel kind of meets his audience where they're at. Yeah. Okay. And one, you know, he needed the thousands to have the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Mm -hmm. And once that's done, in terms of the narrative, no more crowd. Hmm. The crowd's not needed. It's not going to be there. Um, you know, he's John's hit the high points of what you need a crowd for. And now it's going to look like what the everyday Christian's experience is like in the time of the writing down of John. Of it being, being a Christian, being a relatively isolated experience. Now, uh, is, is John... John's the one who's like really... He, he usually has Simon Peter... Um, Kind of like a charging into the fray verbally, doesn't he? Um, they all do. It, it, do, they, do they all? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what? But what happens in John is Peter charges in, and often is overshadowed by either the apostle who's only described as the one, the disciple that Jesus loved. Mm -hmm. Or Mary Magdalene. Hmm. Okay. So, and there's there's been a lot of um, sort of political speculation 
uh, trying to reconstruct what this might mean that the followers, the, the Christians who were f- gathered around the Gospel of John, so to speak, mm-hmm. couldn't could not ignore the fact that Peter was the first bishop of Rome and things like that. You know, was obviously a prominent early leader, but they could have their say about the beloved disciple and Mary Magdalene. Got it. And so Peter has his role, but often the beloved disciple and or Mary Magdalene get to have um, an equal or greater role if just for a few verses. Hmm. Hmm. So he's like a, he, he's like the leader of part of the group, uh, but, but still gets over uh, overshadowed by, well, actually, it's almost the opposite. It's like oh, okay. he's the he's the flashy guy, but the people doing the real the people who are really faithful and wise and in tune with what's happening mm-hmm. are the beloved disciple or Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. So Peter goes running to the tomb, but Mary Magdalene hangs out in the garden and actually gets to be the first witness to the resurrected Jesus. Got it. Got it. So it's 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 almost like yeah, Peter. He's always so flashy. <laughs> it's, it's the tone in the Gospel of John. We're so um, tired of hearing about Peter, Peter, Peter. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, Jesus kind of asks this question: uh, Do you also wish to go away? And Peter's response, at least the first part, is like, hey, "Where are we going to go?" Like. <laughs> At, at, at this point, like uh, uh, if there were more stories about them being recognized, uh, that ended up kind of being the truth. Uh, uh, where are they going to go? They're they're um, uh, very easily recognized, uh, uh, at least later on in the story. So there was there there's in a way their <laughs> their their story set. They're not they're. There's nowhere else for them to go. But uh, uh, that's not really what Simon Peter is saying here, is he? He's saying, um, uh, to, to whom to whom can we go uh, now that, right. essentially, now that we've spent time with you, there's, uh, you know, that's the reason why we don't have any choice. It's like, it's a, it's an obvious truth staring us in the face and we don't have any choice. Um, well, you can't say that because thousands made the choice not to follow. That's so they true. do have a choice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I shouldn't say, yeah, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. I shouldn't say that they don't have the choice. Uh, um, I guess but it's, cl- it's clear to them what the good choice is. Yes. Yes. That's what I mean. It's like they're all they're They are compelled uh is kind of the what i'm reading out of that yeah but even even that john would be very uh because <laughs> big part of the gospel of john is free will okay okay so you know jesus doesn't compel anyone to do anything could but chooses not to um instead it's it's individuals making their choices about how to respond to jesus and how to respond to the love of god and the light of the world hmm. Hmm. interesting well uh anything else about the gospel just one thing i want to mention is all four gospels have peter making the primary statement of, of who jesus is well before jesus is um crucified and resurrected mm, okay so they it, it'll be phrased a little bit differently and John certainly sets the scene differently than in um, the first three Gospels, which in which it's almost identical. But this is very much the same scene that we read in the other three Gospels. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Which is one of those ways in which we know that the, the four Gospels were not created in isolation from one another. Right. They, 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 they were aware <laughs> yeah there there was a um to use a very current term a meta narrative mm-hmm. that was definitely held dear by christians and okay the four gospels all have to refer to that but then in a sense on that hang the the features of jesus that they feel um need to be added to the meta narrative got it interesting yeah very interesting 
All right. Well, with that, I think we will call to a close this year podcast for August 22nd, 2021, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, and we encourage everybody to uh, join us uh, wherever you may be able uh, for, for this week's worship. Uh, we will be meeting in person uh, at 8 and 10 at the church. Uh, and uh, the 10 o'clock service will be available online at our YouTube channel, HFEC videos that stands for holy family episcopal church uh all together though on on youtube hfec videos and you can find a, a link to that channel uh on our website at holyfamilyfishers.org uh and uh until next week i'm ben and i'm bruce and we'll talk to you later Bye-bye. bye bye